0: light this candle as a sign of joy in the coming light of Christ. As we await Christ's coming, we remember the creative act of God that called God's people into being. We remember the burning bush that called Moses. We remember Samuel, who anointed David as king. We remember the prophets who spoke of the coming Messiah, even as we say, Come, Lord Jesus. As we see this light, we remember that Jesus himself is the light of the world. We remember the promise you made to your people in every age. We remember your covenants with Noah, with Moses, with David, and the new covenant opened to us in Jesus Christ. We remember with joy that you're faithful to your word always, even as we say, come, Lord Jesus.
1: Let us pray together. God, God of grace, praise, ever, ever f- faithful, to faithful to your promises. promises. The earth rejoices in the joy of of our our Savior's coming and and looks forward with longing to his return. Prepare our hearts to receive him when he comes, for he is Lord of all time and and space. Amen. Amen.
0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice.
1: Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord Lord is near.
0: Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God.
1: And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard.
0: Almighty God, you are our salvation, and you alone can we trust and not be afraid. Lord, you were angry because of our sin and rebellion, and you have redeemed for yourself a people, a remnant, from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You are to be praised. Lord, we confess that you are our strength and our song. Without you, we could do nothing. Without you, our souls would be empty and in despair. Lord, grant your Spirit to come this morning and remind us of the glory of our salvation. Turn us in faith to thanksgiving and proclamation of the glorious works you have done. Help us sing for joy, for you have promised us that you will be in our midst as we have gathered here this morning to hear from you. We ask these things in the name of your Son, our Saviour and Sovereign King, Jesus Christ.
2: Grace and peace to you and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, both those of us gathered here in the sanctuary as well as everyone worshipping in other locations. We are glad and grateful to gather in the name of the Lord, and because it is in the name of the Lord that we gather, our word of welcome is one with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to it. This is God's house, and in God's house, all are welcome, and in that way, we greet one another. In. Uh, I would remind everyone that the city of Philadelphia is still under a mask mandate. So we are still under a mask mandate. Only your worship leaders will remove them and only while we are speaking for the benefit of those with hearing loss for clarity's sake. Um, We have put a brief pause on our fellowship hour due to not knowing very much about the Omicron variant yet. And until we do know a little bit more about the Omicron variant, we will keep fellowship paused. That's not to say that we wish to prevent you from having conversations, but we're not gonna serve food which causes you to pull your masks down and back up again until we know just a little bit more about that. Let me highlight a few things out of the announcements portion of your bulletin for your particular attention. The first is to note that we are coming up on the deadline for Christmas dedications—a deadline of December twentieth. There's information about that. But if you'd like to participate in the decorating of the sanctuary through a flower dedication, we would like for you to have that opportunity. So just make sure you make note of that upcoming deadline. I would highlight as well, we have an ongoing adult education series. You'll see the information about that in the bulletin, but you do need to sign up for it if you wish to participate, so please do make note of that. And also, you'll see an update on our annual giving campaign. Our annual giving campaign is in full swing, and if you would like to pledge and have not yet had the opportunity to do so, I can assure you our annual giving team will make that happen, including our treasurer, Craig Bodorf, sitting right up here in the front. You can see Craig and make a pledge anytime you like. And I promise you, if you you have pledged in the past and we haven't heard from you, we will follow up with you. So uh, with that noted, (laughs) uh, please make note of that for the annual giving campaign. And finally, uh, we worship at two different times in this congregation and perhaps in two different styles, but we are one congregation. And so I am delighted to share with you that Luke Topper Lawless was baptized at the celebration service this morning. Luke is the son of Ed and Kate Lawless and the younger brother to Eddie Lawless. And we rejoice with the Lawless family on the baptism of their son. With these things noted, let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin. God
0: promises forgiveness through Jesus Christ. On this third Sunday of Advent, let us approach God in humility and faith, first together and then in silence. God of holiness, your goodness is all-surpassing and you call us to holiness as well. You call us to love our neighbors as ourselves. You call us to lives of integrity, seeking wholeness for our communities and ourselves. You have opened the way before us in Jesus Christ, but we fall short. We choose shortcuts. We think that what we do doesn't matter. Forgive us, we pray. Renew within us the desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you, so that the reign of Christ may be made known in our lives. With joy, let us draw water from the springs of salvation. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on God's name. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Zephaniah in the third chapter, starting at the 14th verse. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away all the judgments against you. He has made away your enemy, turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. The Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. The Lord will renew you in God's love. The Lord will exult over over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Here ends our first reading. Our second reading comes to us from the prophet Isaiah in the 12th chapter. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. The Lord has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on God's name. Make make known the Lord's deeds among the nation. Proclaim that God's name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord for the lord has done gloriously let this be known in all the earth shout aloud and sing for joy o royal zion for great in your midst is the holy one of israel
2: Our gospel lesson is taken from the gospel according to Luke. We read there in the third chapter, beginning at the seventh verse and continuing through the 18th. Continue to listen for the word of God to us this day. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This is a story that many of you know very well, but some of you may not know it, so I'm going to tell it again. Picture it. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. The year was 1990. For those infected with HIV, it was a time of low hope, and for many, no hope. The gay community was being decimated by the disease. People living with AIDS were dying in isolation and fear. So, seven friends began making meals in the kitchen here at First Church for those living with HIV AIDS. In time, their efforts expanded and became manna, and you should know about manna since we are a supporting congregation for manna, and it was founded right here in our church by our members. It is a behemoth over on 20th Street, and in the past 30 years, they have prepared over 16 million meals for people living with chronic disease, and they make good pies, too as many of you know. manna came about because hope was needed in the face of a big problem. Now, you may have noticed that our Adult Christian Education Committee is spending a lot of time facilitating classes and discussions about big problems. Gun violence, Racism, climate change. We make no assumptions that all of our members agree on the solutions to these problems, but we do assert that there is nothing a community of faith should consider off limits for us to contend with, because God does not call us to piddle around the edges of faith, but rather to plunge into the deep water trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, the committee works hard because they know these are big problems, and while a single committee does not set a direction for the church, the session does that, we know that it takes big conversations to start big things. Perhaps our conversations will only serve to make ourselves more empathetic, better educated about the issues of faith and life, or perhaps... Our conversations will compel us to do things about these things. During one of our meetings, our discussion turned toward the enormity of the task of Christian faith to provide hope precisely because these problems are so huge, so intractable. Gun violence has a vice grip on this city. Racism is woven into daily life. Climate change is relentless. And if you think of the image of the Vine Street Expressway underwater this last summer, you know what climate change could do to this city. The problem's we seek to find a Christian response to, are overwhelming. And a member of this committee spoke to the fact of these problems seeming hopeless because they are so big. It is enough to leave us with low hope. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness in a time of low hope. And in the course of his life, he moved from low hope right on over to no hope because the powers he went up against were so entrenched. Briefly, you will remember that Israel was an occupied country in the time of Jesus. The Romans were there, they were in charge, and they were an insurmountable problem. Nobody was going to win, not against them. This is the context of John's sermon. And in Luke's Gospel, John is very specific in what he preaches. And he is preaching repentance. Now, I almost feel sometimes that as soon as the church says the word repentance, we need to back up a second and clarify. Uh, Repentance does not mean condemnation and damnation, all of the worst things we've heard about it through bad preaching, but it does mean a change of course. Here's what John said. God wants and expects the best from us. And it is the power of God in Jesus Christ that will bring that about. When he begins preaching, it's almost as if he anticipates what the justifications his hearers will offer for their failure to repent may be, because no sooner does he preach his message of bearing fruit of repentance than he immediately adds, and don't think just being religious is going to make everything okay. Uh, That's what he's saying with those words about being children of Abraham. Uh, That'd be sort of the equivalent of us uh, hearing a preacher calling us to repent and saying to us, you didn't do this and this and this, and you did do this and this and this, and you need to repent, and replying, yes, but I'm a Presbyterian. No, when, when John preaches his message of repentance, he means it clearly. And lest we have any lingering doubt about his sincerity in calling the people to repent, to turn from one path onto a better one, John gets specific. Most people are fine with preachers talking about repentance as long as we don't get too specific. Now, some other people actually enjoy the specificity as long as we don't get too personal but when the call to repent is both specific and personal well that's like a preacher saying do you know perfectly well what you need to do you just don't want to do it john preaches if you have two coats give one away if you have an abundance of food share If you are a tax collector, take only what is due to the government and do not skim off of the top. If you are a soldier, no extortion, no threatening, do only what is required. In other words, in a time of low hope, with only a vision of the coming Christ to sustain him, John was preaching a message based on doing something about what needs doing. I'm reminded of the words of Thornton Wilder, Hope is a projection of the imagination, so is despair. Despair all too readily embraces the ills it foresees. Hope is an energy and arouses the mind to explore every possibility to combat them. In response to hope, the imagination is aroused to picture every possible issue, to try every door, to fit together even the most heterogeneous pieces in the puzzle. And after the solution has been found, it's difficult to recall the steps taken. So many of them are just below the level of consciousness. When in despair... Do something. When in doubt, love someone. When in fear, reach out to another. So many of the things that form the life of discipleship are founded upon the doing of faith, rather than simply the feeling of faith. And if it seems that I am suggesting that the solution to many of the problems of the world is personal, then I suggest in a way I am. Because doing nothing isn't going to fix a thing. I'm reminded of that fabulous old Will Rogers quote, if stupidity got us into this mess, then why can't stupidity get us out? No, it is the aggregate of goodwill that will move the needle on the big problems of the world. And the hope of Christian faith is based on the simple principle that God cares deeply about humankind. Once, when I was managing a particularly challenging issue in a church, I started to work up a plan to deal with this particularly thorny problem. Uh, That's what I do when I'm not sure what to do yet. I make up plans so that I can see where the problems are. So I had this plan mapped out on my desk to deal with implementing a policy to address a a big problem, and one of my wise elders of the church walked in, so I called him over and said, this is what I think we should do about this particular problem. It was a very detailed plan, tediously detailed. He looked it over and said, Baron, it's an excellent plan, but I do think you might want to consider leaving a little room for the Holy Spirit. And that brings me to the other point I'd like to make about the hope of the gospel. We aren't on our own to solve everything. And I found that comfort in the unlikely word about the winnowing fork dividing the wheat from the chaff. Now, just to be clear, because this could look at like bad news unless we understand it right, we are not individually as people, wheat or chaff. That wouldn't be good news. In fact, it would be quite bad news. God does not make trash to be thrown away. But there is sin in the world, and sometimes problems do seem so enormous that we grind down into inertia. We all have wheat and chaff Within us, John is telling us that Jesus will pull out the wheat and leave the chaff. That Jesus is going to lift up our humanity and use us to bring hope and even God's redemption to the biggest problems. That is the basis for our hope. Because it's founded in the reality that God cares deeply about humankind. That God cares deeply about creation. There's an old story about a teacher assigned to visit children in a large city hospital. She received a routine call from a classroom teacher asking her to visit a particular child, and she took down the boy's room number and name and was told by the teacher on the other end of the line, We're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now. I'd be grateful if you could help him keep up with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others. It wasn't until the visiting teacher got outside the boy's room that she realized it was located in the hospital's burn unit. No one had prepared her to find a young boy, awkward, horribly burned, and in great pain. She felt that she couldn't just turn around and walk out, so she awkwardly stammered, "'I'm the hospital teacher, and your teacher has sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs.'" The next morning, a nurse on the burn unit asked her, "'What did you do to that boy?' And before she could begin a profusion of apologies, the nurse interrupted her. You don't understand. We've been very worried about him. But ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he has decided to live. The boy later explained that he had completely given up hope until he saw the teacher. It all changed when he came to a simple realization, and he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Hope is the gift of this season. When in despair, do something. When in doubt, love someone when in fear, reach out to another. Because there's no question but that God expects the very best from us. We do what we can, and we know that God will do the rest. And some of our efforts may very well feel at times like we are directly in the chaff fire itself. But that is the hope of the gospel, that things don't have to stay the way that they are, and that in the extravagant love of God, we know that our future lies in God's care. And in this knowledge, we are freed to hope and freed to action by the generosity of God toward us. It reminds me of a passage from Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. I'd like to close with it. At the time of Lewis and Clark, setting the prairies on fire was a well-known signal that meant come down to the water. It was an extravagant gesture, but we can't do less. If the landscape reveals one certainty, it is that the extravagant gesture is the very stuff of creation. After one extravagant gesture of creation in the first place, The universe has continued to deal in extravagances, flinging intricacies and colossi down eons of emptiness, heaping profusions on profligacies with ever-fresh vigor. The whole show has been on fire from the word go. I come down to the water to cool my eyes, and everywhere I look, I see fire, and that which isn't flint is tender, and the whole world sparks and flames. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
0: Let us together proclaim what we believe in the words of the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ god's only son our lord who was conceived by the holy ghost born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified dead and buried he descended into hell Whether you give in the plate after the service, you give online, or you give some other way, we bring to God all of our offerings with thanksgiving that God provides more than enough for all. Let us give as each is able for the benefit of Christ's church and God's world. of life, you call us to prepare the way for your reign by bearing fruit worthy of repentance. You lift up a vision before us of a world that is shared and fair, where needs are met and no one is outcast. Baptize us fresh in your spirit as we pray. God, you are in our midst. Renew us in your love. We pray for the nations of the world both allies and enemies, for their leaders and their people. Make yourself known to all that all the peoples of the earth may live in justice and peace. For your church here and abroad, that we hear your call for justice as good news for all people. We pray for peace in our world, especially for those caught in war, and for all who live in fear of violence, extortion, threats, and false accusations. God, you are in our midst. Renew us in your love. For those who suffer from natural disasters, especially those who are recovering from the tornadoes or lost family or friends, for those who suffer from hunger and cold, lead us to share our food and our coats with them. For the frail, the sick, and all those whose hands grow weak, lead us to help them with gentleness. For those who are differently abled, oppressed, or outcast among us, change their pain into praise and let their courage be renowned in the world. For the earth from which we draw our health, our strength, our inspiration, and for all the living creatures in whose community we live, God, you are in our midst. Renew us in your love. Surely, God, we can trust in you and not be afraid. Lead us in songs of praise and shouts of joy, for you are in our midst. We pray this through the one who baptizes us not only with water, but with the Holy Spirit now and forever, and in whose name we pray.
2: In despair, do something. When in doubt, love someone. When you are afraid, reach out to another. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace, both this day and forevermore. Amen.